real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real gon' recognize, real, real. Only gon' recognize, still, still recognize, will. Like we always do with this time. K-I-R-P Radio! Welcome everybody to the K-I-R-P Radio show. A little beautiful Sunday. Ready to give you guys nothing but the raw truth for which it stands. Uh, we we try our best 
every Sunday to give you guys nothing but the raw truth. And oftentimes what we bring to the show uh, is, I won't say unappreciated, but I will say that a lot of the times it's, uh, I'm sorry, I'm not saying it's a difficult to see. Sound Shoe, the number one online music tournament, encompasses seven different genres, including hip-hop, R&B, country, reggae, reggaeton, pop, rock, and gospel. Music artists, log on to soundshoe.com to compete for a chance to have exclusive access to music listeners across the globe. Build relationships with other music artists and music professionals, plus maximize your exposure and gain worldwide attention. Music listeners, log on now to enjoy new music from up-and-coming artists, then Vote for the songs you like best to ensure that your favorite artist wins. Also, check out the latest in music news. Music execs and producers, scout music talent to find your next big star. Musicians and voters, sign up for SoundChew today. That's www.soundchew.com. S-O-U-N-D-C-H-E-W. Once again, that's www.soundchew.com. The number one online music tournament. Sixty thousand North Carolina families are affected by autism. One out of every one hundred ten children born today will be diagnosed with autism. If you have any questions or need support, we can help. The Autism Society of North Carolina can be reached at eight hundred four four two two seven six two. Again, that's eight hundred four four two two seven six two. Remember, 60,000 North Carolina families are affected by autism, and one out of every 110 children born will be diagnosed with autism as well. If you need to reach them by the web, the address is www.autismsociety-nc.org. You can also reach them on Facebook, Twitter, and you can reach them on YouTube. Love somebody today. Welcome back, folks. Welcome back to the KIRP Radio Show. All you guys who want to make a call into the show or maybe you have something to say, the number is 619-638-8559. Again, that's 619-638-8559. Welcome back to the KIRP Radio Show, folks. You have to please excuse me. Uh, for the top of the show madness that was going on. It was just driving me crazy. Normally, I do a pretty good job of maintaining outside of the technical difficulties that we had, but it was just too much this time, all right? We, 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 we prepped for this stuff. We were supposed to be ready. You know, new equipment, I understand, but, you know, I, I was just flustered by it. So all the gibberish that you heard at the top of the show, forget about it. We back, we ready, we popping. It's time to get it on. 
And uh, we got a lot to talk about today. Uh, at first, though, before we get into all the festivities of this evening, I want to give a B.I.G. shout out to my brother, Jamal Freeman, uh, professional boxer, welterweight fighter, doing his thing out here in Greensboro at the Coliseum last night. Of course, I was in attendance to watch my little brother dish out that beat down. So I just got to give a shout out to uh, Jamal Freeman. You guys check him out on IG, check him out on Twitter, Facebook. Uh, you know, Jamal Freeman, man, J-A-M-A-R Freeman. You got to find it, do what you do, and uh, give this man some love. I, I love to see dedicated people, uh, people, well, people who are dedicated to their craft. But I, I, I enjoy that. I, I love to see people who are uh, who, who go so hard and they spend every day dedicated to what they feel is important in life and, and, and going hard and achieving that, you know, to the highest extreme, to the, to the, to, they go to the mountains and the seas and around the world to get done what they feel is most important in their lives. I just love hardworking people. And uh, Jamal is definitely one of those. And another hardworking person is another good friend of mine who, uh, man, I don't even know where to start. Professor, uh, writer. Uh, he's a, 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 a sailor. <laughs> he's, a, he, he's a pundit. I, I believe sometimes he may be a lobbyist. You know, I, I don't know. Okay, maybe not a lobbyist, but a very hardworking individual and uh, someone I, I hold very dear and near because I, I really pay attention to a lot of the things that he says, even when he doesn't real like it, realize it. Excuse me. Uh, I want to give a shout out to my brother, and my guest of the evening, okay, J.C. John Christopher Buer. How you doing, brother? Welcome to the KRP Radio Show. I love what you do. I love how you handle the shenanigans. You are a man of class. And you know what? Your, your listeners will love you for it. <laughs> I hope they love me for it. They got to excuse all my technical difficulties that we have on this show. But this, this, this is a hood show. Right here, John Christopher. Even though we talk about topics, we're, we're still considered hood because, you know, we do this on the fly, man. This is on the shotgun. The studio is not pretty. It's actually at my house, even though we well, have brand new equipment. Well, when are you going to invite me it. down? And I'll come see you, man. Hey, man. I'll come over. I'll come hang out with you. Dude, that's an open invitation. I, I don't even have to tell you that. I think you I'd know I'd love already. to see come your on. crib, as we say at the come White on. House. You're welcome. You're, you're welcome anytime. And uh, I'll definitely be back in D.C. You got to get out on that yacht with you, man. I'm not the yacht type of guy. That's a lot of hard work selling well, a yacht, you know, Hey, man, you make it sound like I have a, I have a plush life down here in Washington, up here in Washington. <laughs> you know, I'm a journalist. I, I'm not a lobbyist. Let's get that real straight. I'm not a lobbyist. I'm part of the White House press I know you get a kick out of that. I know. You, you know how to get to me. I'm a, a, a political analyst. I'm a White House uh, commentator, political correspondent, et cetera. I blog for Huffington Post UK, and I, I do some work with a great group called uh, News to Share, at News to Share. And uh, I'm at the White House most days, and also when I'm not there, I'm teaching my course called Politics and the Media, an American-European Perspective uh, to a graduate school of, of, of foreign service, school of foreign service in Georgetown. And it is extremely rewarding, all of the things that I do, and I'm happy to speak to you, my friend. Busy man, extremely busy man. Well, and I like to write. I have, uh, if you go to uh, at 
at JCBUA. Uh, you can link up to all the things I've been writing and tweeting, including Don Lemon and Donna Brazil and Armstrong Williams, and writing about uh, Ferguson and writing about the famous Lincoln speech where he said a country divide a house divided itself against itself cannot stand. And I, I turned it into a blog called Ferguson, a country divided against itself cannot stand. And I go with that initially with the President Lincoln before he was president. He was a senator. Not mm-hmm. let's go back before he was a senator in 1858. He made that speech on the steps of the of the um, of the state house in uh, Springfield, Illinois. Uh, and this is uh, he lost that Senate race to. Uh, to Stephen Douglas, if you remember the famous Lincoln-Douglas debates that went on for hours and hours, he made that famous speech there. And uh, a century and a half later, that's where Barack Obama launched his candidacy as, and won the first Amer- black American to win and to occupy the White House. And that was a century and a half after that. So there's a lot going on, and a lot has changed, but a lot has not changed. And there's a lot of people who are still not on the on the same page, and people who are still not pleased uh, that we all are on the same planet and in the same town. So we've got a lot of work to do. Wow. What, what do, you, what do you, let's, Well, let's just get right into it then, man. What, what, do you, what do you get from all this stuff, uh, all these things that are happening in Ferguson today? I mean, is this, is this a bigger issue than what most of America realizes? You know, we, we, once again, we're trying to understand each other through the lens of, sure. of another t- tragic event. That's how I look at it. Sure. You know, I try to right. be philosophical. I try to be professorial, but I, I try not to, not to try to think I, I know better than f- folks that are going through this on a daily, daily life. I lived in New York City. I lived in a town uh, back when I, was, when I grew up. It was, it was as white as I am and as black as other folks are. We hardly even mm-hmm. saw each other. I didn't know black people. And we that's just the way it was. We were we were segregated then and in many ways we're segregated now. And you know that we have black folk and white folk have fought in wars together on one level or another uh since the Civil War. You all saw that movie Gettysburg and then what happens oh, yeah. is you go home and you go back to your neighborhood and the white folk go back to their neighborhood and even in the workforce Walk together, go back home to your basically to your folks and to your your neighborhood. And you know what's the most segregated hour in in the of the week? It's the hour of worship. People oh go wow! To church. Think about it. Think about it. Now I don't say that's right. I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's true. It's truthful though. It's truthful. It is segregated, especially in places of worship. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, we have to overcome so many years of, of pain that we have to take a, a step on, our, on ourselves. We're trying to understand each other. We're trying to understand each other through, through Ferguson. You know, and, and your, your, your listeners know this. They, some of them are older than you are. You're a young man. It was 49 years ago since the Watts riots in, 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 in L.A. in 1965. Yeah. It's 20 years yeah. ago since the Rodney King ki- killing. You know, since the Rodney King, when they, when they beat him up in 1992. 20 years since the O.J. murder trial. 
Okay, two years since Trayvon Martin, and now we've got you know George Zimmerman, and now we have the Sanford, Florida. Sure. Wow. Six one nine six two. Well, I don't. I don't. Here's the thing, John. I I, I don't. Man, I try my best not to compare uh, my own feelings to what people are saying in the media or what I read on social media. I mean, because, you know, everyone has their own uh, opinions, own feelings, experiences. And and I also believe that, you know, our experiences combined with what we've been through and how we were raised and how we grew up, I think they all play together, you know. And and I I believe sometimes if you grew up a certain way and if you've seen a certain thing, it will make you experience and feel things emotionally that, sometimes aren't true or maybe sometimes it's you know more true than what you realize so i try not to compare my own feelings to that because i could easily be uh, a negative uh, a, a black racist towards whites or racist towards anybody i could easily be that way based upon some things that i've been through in my life but i realize that and thank god for the people that raised me but I realize that people are individuals and they're going to react the way that they do. And I also understand that evil is real. Evil exists and, and evil attacks people from all ethnic groups and all backgrounds and all races and, and et cetera. So I think this Ferguson thing and also with everything else that is going on around the country, my brother, I, I think these things are just evil at work. And when the media is so rampant today, and when I say media, I'm talking about what you do what I do, and social media alone. You know, media has its own opinion according to what it sees. And it's not only professional anymore. It's not only the 6 o'clock news. Now it's people who sometimes who don't know any better. And they report what they see, and then there's millions that get that, and, and, and they determine, you know, the outcome from what they got from an individual who clearly uh, didn't understand the situation properly. Well, I, you know, I, I agree with you, and it, it becomes very personal, you know, and we, we are in a divided society, and, and the fact is if you talk to folks, you listen to folks, you go to their house, you, you eat dinner with them, you, you understand them, you know, they're just not like other people. The the lesson from, from all this should be that, you know, we're all people who have a common bond. First of all, it's the United States of America, what, the Constitution, you know, that's a common bond. The other common bond is we all want to love our families and our children, and we want to give them a better life than we've had. And, uh, and, and that's just something we cannot seem to learn, no matter what we've been through, you know, through, through all the things that I talked about, the Rodney King beating and, the, and, the, and, the, and, and all that. You know, I, I, I go back a little further, and I remember some, some movies that dealt with race. And uh, you would know this. You're a smart guy, and your your audience would know this. If you remember the the movie To Kill a Mockingbird. Oh yeah. And and then we went on to Guess Who's Coming to Dinner, you know, with Sidney Poitier, and he was like the perfect guy. And there was the the, the father and the mother and the the other father and mother had to deal with it. And then I'll never forget Spike's movie because I love Spike Lee. Do the right thing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know what happens? It, it it's it's amazing. What we what we still don't learn, and then of course, twelve years a slave, which is a whole other story. And black and white Americans, for the most part, simply they don't live in the same society 
and and that's unfortunate. You know, most white Americans see the police, right, as their protectors, yes. while most sure. black Americans view them as a group of, of armed enforcers who are naturally predisposed to doubt their innocence. You, you know, driving while black. I've heard stories from friends of mine that I would not believe, but and I've never come through that. And, and, and you know, from birth, most white folks in America believe that they're entitled to a good education, have an opportunity. You know, every opportunity is open to them. Their only limit is their own unwillingness to work, uh, work hard, achieve a goal. You know, the innocent until proven guilty. Where, and I'm not going to presume that I know, but I, I talk to, to black folks, and they tell me most black Americans believe that a good education for their children is something that may be, in fact, out of reach to them. And they don't believe that they have the same opportunities in the workplace for promotion. And here's the other one. And they believe that they will be treated as if they are guilty until they prove their own innocence. Now, that's what is predisposed. That's how we live our world. And if we don't come together and understand the beauty of each other and our faults and our, and our assets and start to wear, try each other's shoes on, then, you know, the, the, the solemn uh, words of Lincoln will still, will still ring. You know, a nation, a house divided against itself cannot stand. But it, it's an interesting thing. After Ferguson, the media went in there. The media all over Japan, the U.K., France, they're all there. This is the hot story. They just want to show this stuff. You know, the Europeans yes. like to show us being a bunch of barbarics, barbarians. You know, white people beating up black people with dogs and hoses. They love all that crap. And then what happens yeah. is we feed that, and then they come over and want to see that. And then the people out on the streets, you know, protesting, you know, et cetera, et cetera, some not, some doing what they shouldn't be doing, and the anger of the white people coming after that. And my feeling, I, I tweeted it out the other day. I said, turn the lights off. Turn the cameras off. <laughs> yeah. You know, some some – Cable networks even have their own musical theme for Ferguson. You know, it's like it's 24-7, big money, and who's, take, who's being taken advantage of? The folks, the average yeah, guy absolutely. and girl who work, white, black, Hispanic. Whatever. Exactly. The people of Ferguson. Wow. 619-638-8559. Talking to my brother, JCB. Uh, you wrote an article and you just uh, alluded to that article. Uh, yeah. The title, A House Divided. A Na- was it A Nation Divided or A House Divided? A House Divided. Well, it's, I, the Lincoln quote is A House Divided Against Itself Cannot Stand. It's half slave and half free. This is what he was talking about right. before the Emancipation Proclamation, before the Civil War. And I recommend to all your listeners to see the movie Lincoln, which is amazing. Okay, historically, and it's it's really tastefully done. It's beautiful, but I changed the house divided to a nation divided, because that's what I right. where I think we're at. We're a nation divided, and and we got to we got to change our mentality, and we have to think about that, and we have to work about that, and work on it. And you know, it was President Obama when he was a candidate in uh, in two thousand in two thousand eight when he was running for president. He made that very famous speech in Philadelphia. And uh, he said, you know, this is where we are right now. It's a racial stalemate. We've been stuck in for years. Contrary to the claims of some of my critics, black and white, I have never been so naive as to believe that we can get beyond our racial divisions 
in a single election cycle or with a single candidacy, particularly candidacy as, as imperfect as, as my own. But then he says, we really have to take the effort. You know, he says, for African-American community, that path means embracing the burdens of our past without becoming victims. In the white community, he says, and I'm quoting quickly, in the white community, the path to a more perfect union means acknowledging that what ails the African-American community does not just exist in the minds of black folks, that the legacy of discrimination, the current incidents of discrimination, while less overt as in the past, are real and must be addressed. It requires every American to realize that your dreams do not have to come at the expense of my dreams. In other words, walk in your friends, walk in your brother's shoes, understand, and reach out. Or we're, or we're not going to make it. We're not going to mm-hmm. make it. But I, I feel positive wow. because, look, I'm talking to you, and there's people listening in. I'm sure they want to call up and get into it. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll take some callers here in a sec. Uh, I was just I was trying to get back to your article, and I don't have it. I've got my notes here. But all right, I, got I, it. I, I don't know if this, I don't know if this was a quote or I don't know if it was something that you wrote from the heart, but I, I know I underlined it here and I wanted to ask you about it. It says sure. we are still consumed. Uh, we're still we're still we're we are still consumed by an overwhelming sense of social and economic upheaval and the fear of one another. Yeah. Uh, where were you when you wrote that? Where where were you in your mind when you wrote that part? Well, I was watching. I was watching. You know, like everybody, the 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 people in in Ferguson, uh, the people that don't seem they be, seem to be talking at each other. Uh, they don't mm-hmm. seem to be. Under, I mean, not all, but some. They don't seem to to really listen. And um, you know, it, the experience has to be understood deeply, and it's hard. It takes it takes a lot of, you know what i said education and 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 fathers who teach their sons this is the thing that gets me oh yeah i talking to a dad you're a dad you know you're a dad you know even oh, yeah. even the most influential affluent black americans teach their children special rules how to behave when you're confronted by the police where not to go how not to dress what to say what to do in an effort to ensure they will not fall victim to a fatal misunderstanding. And the yes, thing that sir. really gets me as a white guy, uh, the, it, the most ironic thing, I'm speaking out from the heart, I, you know, I'm not pulling any punches. The worst irony is that this so-called white hip-hop suburban kid, all right, yeah. tries to dress and act, act black to be cool. However, mm-hmm. what this kid doesn't understand, that he is not subject to and never will experience the, the difficulties and that fear that come with simply being a black young man in a society where most positions of authority are held by white Americans. That, that's, uh, you know, th- that's the reality. Do you, do you believe in, and, and this is, I ask this because it, it sounds like we're on the same page here but, and, and I might flip flop sometimes, but I'm actually writing a speech on this too, but pre- on, speeches on privilege. Do you believe there's a such thing as white privilege? And and if so, do you think it's equal as there's a such thing as black privilege? Well, that's an interesting thing. Um, you know, there there's a lot of anger in the white community about you know quotas or or or, or people young young 
kids getting into college because there was – I don't think the quotas isn't a deal. That was a word we used years ago. But, you know, uh, mm-hmm. equal equal opportunities, maybe push the, 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 the kid who's uh, – uh, minority, whatever you want to call it, and the white kid doesn't get mm-hmm. it because the other, you know, there's that, there's that. But overall, yeah. uh, you know, w- white white kids are, are brought up differently uh, in different neighborhoods. They have different opportunities. Uh, it's getting better. I mean, you know, we we do we have moments like this that bring it all out again. And yeah. hopefully when you bring it all out and you bring the anger and you bring that heartbreak, it's really about heartbreak. I see moms out there and, and dads and, and kids, and it hurts white people too because like, like, like I quoted Obama, we're all in this together. You know, we, we sink or swim together. Mm-hmm. And those who wow. believe in, in, in a spiritual uh, uh, essence is that, you know, wherever your spirituality comes from, Christian, Jewish, Muslim, Hindu, it all teaches the same. You know, love thy brother as thyself and, and treat them as they would treat you. We're all human beings. We all want the same for our kids. We all eat the same. We all, let's say, put on your pant leg one at a time. We all, you know, we all have to have to live together and 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 understand each other and listen, listen, listen. Listen, listening is a huge part of that, and I try my best when I – have people on this show, and, and even when I have callers, uh, you know, I try my best to listen to what they're saying before I respond. And, you know, I, I agree. I think I think we all want the best for our families, and I think we all want the best for our neighborhoods. Most most responsible people do. Uh, the problem all lies in how we do it. You know, one person believes we do it this way. One person believes we do it that way. Uh, I'm more aligned with the side of being everyone be responsible individuals. But uh, 619-638-8559, listen to the KRP radio show. Check us out on Twitter, baby, at symbol NC Pudgy is my personal, at symbol KRP radio show. And my guest, JC, his is at symbol JCBUA. Make sure you give him a shout out. Let him know you're listening to him on the KRP radio show. Um if you guys hadn't checked the article out that this gentleman has written, uh, beautifully crafted, I mean, beautifully crafted uh, article where he goes into the past, present, and a little bit on the future. So I, I really appreciate how you wrote this article. It, it's really a well, lesson. It, it looks like a, a lesson I, and a lecture. If, if you go on, if you tweet to me, go follow me on Twitter. I know a lot of people do, at JCBUA. You'll see the connection to the Huffington Post UK. And if you hook up to one of my blogs, you can get you can get all of them. And uh, I did one a week before that about America uh, and an identity crisis. And we talk about uh, I talk about you know our role in the in in the in the world, whether we're still policemen, whether we have the stomach for it, whether we want to send our our young men and women into battle and into into the to deal with the ISIL folks uh, into Syria. I mean. You know, do we have the the treasure? We certainly don't have the human treasure. We had a a young man who was who was slaughtered uh, on TV for God's sake. They 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 videoed that, and you know, our, our all, all my writings there. There's hundreds of blogs at the Huffington Post UK, and uh, you know, I think about this stuff. I'm at the White House most days. I try to ask some intelligent questions. Mostly, what I do mm-hmm. has an international bent because. Um, with a foreign uh, organization, and I was with Sky News out of Great Britain for seven years. You know, it, it interests me. You know, I teach teach about politics in the media from the European and U.S. perspective. 
So I like to I like to think of uh, I like to look at the world in, in larger formats. But my God, Ferguson will focus you. It will focus you right down to the streets in Missouri. Wow. What uh, I really want to switch pages here, but I have one more uh, Ferguson thing, if you will. No, sure. Uh, what can we? I guess two part question. I, I want to ask you about the media and what actually happened out there to the media. I understand there was some unrest with uh, the police dealing with the media and took some cameras and shot some tear gas. I saw some video footage of that. So I want to ask you how you felt about that. But also, two part question. I want to ask you what can we gain from this Ferguson uh, incident, if you will, or this Ferguson situation uh, in going forward? What can we learn from this? What can we gain from this? And how can we move past it? Uh, but first, if you would, uh, how you feel about the tear gas and what the media went through out while they were in Ferguson? Well, I mean, specifically, you know, I have I work with some young folks, young young guys who uh, who are producers and and they they started up a company called uh, News to Share. It's at News underscore to underscore Share. Very bright young students who I work with who went out into the field, and one of these guys was in Gaza two weeks before, and he went into Ferguson. Wow. He got tear gassed every – he was getting tear gassed every night. He said, this is, this is like Gaza, man, and these are Americans doing this to each other. Uh, you know, first of all – and then I talked to people in the military who I work with, who have, I'm connected with folks at the Pentagon and, and folks in the armed, armed services, armed forces, you know, where – you saw police uh, pointing their rifles and at at people. Uh, you know the rule in the military, and anybody who's listening knows this. You don't point your right at, rifle at anybody until you're ready to shoot them. Kind of mm-hmm. intimidation must really rile people up. So you can understand that and the tear gas and the you know and the fact is, I don't know if we'll ever find out all of the of the the details of what happened to this young man. And the thing that really hurt me, because I could, I'm old enough to be this young man's dad, and I have students uh, older than him, and, and the thing that was, was really the worst for me to see is uh, they, they let this young man, you know, whether he, whatever he did, uh, whatever he did, they let him bleed out in the street. And to me, I couldn't look at that. In fact, it was on, it was on my website on, on a piece that I did, and I just I just wanted to take it down because you, you and there were cops standing there watching this i mean this is a human being okay and you're you're not guilty until you've proven so and you know i feel bad for the for the policeman whatever he went through his life will never be the same and the young mm-hmm. man is the, having his funeral tomorrow and the president is sending some representatives uh to to ferguson i believe uh to be there at the memorial service and his funeral. Now that's going to be a heavy duty day. I mean, you you know that's going to be something else. Wow. I, I uh, man, I, I it's funny you say uh, what the policeman is going through because back during the Trayvon Martin uh, time period, when when that was the main story in the nation, um, I kind of said something similar. Almost verbatim, you know, a group of people asked me something about that. And I, I think I was in L.A. and they were asking me about, you know, how did I feel about it? And I said, well, you know, despite what happens, whatever the rule of law is, we all have to live with it. But George Zimmerman, for right or wrong, whether he lied or whether he were, you know, completely honest or whatever happened, uh, he has to live with this. 
right. for the rest of his life, for the remainder of his life. And, you know, I, I haven't kept up with the man uh, exclusively. I don't know a lot of what's going on with him now. And I actually don't know what's going on in the Ferguson thing uh, for the fact of that matter, because I, I wanted to remove myself from it uh, because I became too emotional trying to explain, um, trying to humanize it for people who could not understand and who not who could not discern. But anyway, uh, you know, I was saying that George Zimmerman would have to deal with this too, uh, the fact that he killed a young man, whether he meant to do it or not. And uh, unless you're some sort of cold-hearted assassin, you know, even when you see a dead body, it, it bothers you. So, you know, I know that, that that realistically speaking, you know, he has to deal with that. And so with this police officer, he has, he has to deal with this as well, uh, whether he meant to do it or not. You know, that, that's something that the human mind uh, takes very serious. And, and, and I think it flashes back to that moment and you have to live through whatever the human mind decides to do with that moment. Uh, whether you're watching the movie, you're sitting home or you're playing with your kids, when it hits you, it hits you. And that could be a lot alone. Uh, right. I, I agree. You know, the, the, if you dehumanize someone, I mean, it's, it's always been done this way. Uh, it's being done now by some extreme factions, you know, in in, uh, in the Middle East and, and Iraq, uh, the ISIL individuals who are, you know, basically, if you're not exactly of their belief, exactly of their belief. You can't just be on one. You know, it's not like being a Christian, you're a Baptist, you're a Presbyterian. If you don't believe exactly what they're preaching they'll kill you. I mean, that's heavy. I mean, that's, you know, talk about brotherhood. That's that's some heavy stuff. And, you know, the the Nazis did it uh, before World War II and, and during the war with the Jews. They dehumanized them. They were not human. They were not people. They would draw pictures of them as uh, as vermin and rats. And then once once you dehumanize someone, you can kill them. Because you don't, they don't feel like you do. I remember a famous general. I won't even use his name. Uh, after a, a, a horrible uh, slaughter in Vietnam, he had the nerve to turn to the camera and say, "Well, these people don't feel the way we do." Mm. Okay. I mean, if you dehumanize somebody, you can kill them. In Vietnam, we called Vietnamese every kind of horrible racist word. Those words are words to take away their humanness. You know, the N-word, the this-word, the that. That's all about taking someone's humanness away. If you can relate to someone as a person who has feelings, you can't kill them. I always say, go have a meal with somebody. Go to his house and have dinner. You know, uh, whatever. Meet his girlfriend. Meet his wife. I don't know. Go out with his sister. Who the (laughs) hell knows? Become part of the community. Let's understand each other. You know, I, I've been to the Middle East. I've been to Jerusalem. I've, I've been with, with, with people who are, who are Muslims and Jews and Christians. In, in that town, in Jerusalem, you've got all sorts of folks close, living closely together. You sit in somebody's home and they make you the most beautiful soup you've ever had. You, you say, well, this is nice. These are nice people. You don't want to kill them. But that's what we have to do. We have to, we have to be able to do that. And, and the president, you know, whether he's going to come out and make another major speech on this, you know, he's all, all, all been told that his, you know, he's he's got great rhetoric and he's a great speaker and all that. But you know, Obama is blessed with a very unique perspective of what it's like to to he knows what it's like to live in both white and black America. You know, that, so he can he can offer that. You know, he he has a legacy coming up. You know, and uh, let's see how he stands up and does that. And if he doesn't. I, I think he might come up. This is a challenge for him. 
if he chooses to accept the challenge, uh, he may be able to use this moment in time to make a lasting difference in the way black and white Americans see each other and relate to each other. You know, the challenge for us is pretty clear, and I wrote this, so I'm quoting myself, I can do that. You know, now is, you know, Charlie Parker, now is the time. Anybody knows, Bebop knows Charlie Parker. Now is the time, his famous, famous song, Charlie Parker. I quote, I said, now is the time as a nation to start listening to one another and begin to walk in our brother and sister's shoes, perhaps for the first time. If we don't, we're gonna we're gonna be stuck with it. We got to make the change. We got to do it. Jeez. At symbol K I R P radio show at symbol NC Pudgy on Twitter. Check us out on Facebook. It's Facebook.com backslash K I R P radio show. Uh there's a lot of things going on out here in the world, my brother. And I believe the last time well not the last time we spoke on the phone, but I know I had some concerns, so I started putting in calls to people who I knew that were connected. Uh this maniac Putin is really on a rampage right now. This is the guy who was once viewed as America's friend when the president was whispering in his ear and he had him out and talking about uh, nuclear, getting rid of some nukes and, you know, trying to just be friendly around the world. Well, Putin was all for that, but it seems this year uh, he really turned the page and turned to public enemy number one almost with this thing with he has going on with Crimea and, and, and Russia and, and the nukes and, What's going on uh, with Vladimir Putin right now? Well, he, my opinion is, and I've been talking about this and writing about this. I wrote a blog, uh, and that you you folks can look it up there. Rootin Tootin Putin. He better watch out what what he what he tries to ask for or take. Remember, the Olympics was in Sochi. It was on the in 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 Russia, uh, and sure. very close to the to the mountains there. And oh, yeah. and he he had himself one heck of a an Olympics. And then when the world was focusing on him, you know, I'm, making it, I'm simplifying this, but, you know, it's for, for myself, once the world mm-hmm. was focusing on this Olympics, and he pulled it off, there was some glitches, you know, plumbing didn't work, and the, the venues were far away from where the athletes were supposed to stay, and it was really a, a kind of a tropical place for a winter Olympics, so that was kind of weird. But then, the son of a gun, he, he, he moved into Crimea, which yeah. he thinks was part of Russia, you know, the big, the whole big, so, now, ancient, old Russia, Crimea, Ukraine, you know, they go back in history. But he would like to unify his country in the old Stalin way, the old uh-huh. Khrushchev way, really Stalin, to have a, another Soviet Union, a big Soviet empire, or going back in terms of the Tsar, Tsar Nicholas, before even the Russian Revolution, when when Russia dominated, and when the Soviet Union dominated, remember they put a man up in space before we did all that stuff yes. back in the 60s with JFK, Khrushchev versus Kennedy, and he annexed Crimea, and no one stopped him. Yeah. And he's just standing there saying, well, you know, the hell with you. I'm going to do what we want. And, you know, the, 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 the Europeans, the EU is having a difficult time because they all trade with him. And Obama put restrictions on him and sanctions on him. The Treasury Department put sanctions on him. They were very painful. So he turned around and he's he's not buying any of our products. So it's it's it works two ways. The guy is a is a difficult individual, and uh, he'd like to make it go back to the old days uh, of uh, Stalin and and have a a big empire of a big Soviet Union again. And don't forget, people say, well, his economy's not good. He's this. He's got nuclear weapons, my friend. He's got the bomb. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. And a crazy man with a bomb is a crazy man with a bomb. Yes. 
Yes. How how is the White House handling this? If you had to do a report card, because I, I'll tell you, my grade would be F, and and I know ne- not nearly as much as you know about this. I wasn't around for the Cuban Missile Crisis. I don't remember it. I remember reading about it, right. and it seems to be very close to the same type of issue. Uh, how would you grade the White House uh, on their report card in handling this situation, and and uh, what more could they do, in your opinion? Well, I think I think uh, the, the the situation now is so complex and so and and so um, multiple. Uh, you've got Not in that way, the, right? You've got the I, you've got the Israeli Gaza Palestinian thing. You've got the ISIL sure. in in Kurdistan. You've got Putin mm-hmm. uh, in in Ukraine. So supposedly he sent trucks in, and then he sent them back out. You know, the world is on a hair trigger. I don't want to scare people, but the world is on a hair trigger. In in the Cuban Missile Crisis, you had something very, very specific. You had 90 miles from from Key West was was Cuban missiles, which Soviet missiles being put in and set up. There was the word that was used, offensive and defensive missiles. These missiles were intercontinental ballistic missiles. They could reach New York City. They could blow you up in in Charles in uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, in a second. They could go to Asheville and get all my friends up in the mountains a little further outside of Asheville. That's how the range was. Well, Kennedy was able to defuse the situation through diplomacy. Uh, mm-hmm. His he and his brother and his cabinet were pretty darn sharp, and some of them, some of the extreme generals, were suggesting we ought to just go and take them out. Well, you just don't take them out. You've got you've got Russia ready. And the Soviet Union ready and willing to use all sorts of weapons in in Germany. There's, remember, there was the East Germany, West Germany, East Berlin, West Berlin. They were so That's close right. to each other. Kennedy had to be smart enough, and there's a great show. You should read the book. There's a TV show. You can probably get it called 13 Days. And it shows the dip- diplomatic workings of a very bright young man, John Fitzgerald Kennedy, and his brother. And they didn't want to paint Khrushchev into a corner because if they did he'd become you know you, you know you, you you have a rat in the corner you corner him in there he's going to go after you they gave him a way to, to get out of it sort of gracefully they said privately and not to be re, uh, revealed that the US would take their missiles out of Turkey that were very close to the Soviet Union if Khrushchev um, pulled his his stuff out well Kennedy also issued a put a blockade, a quarantine around the island of Cuba, and we put our warships there. And they said, "You take those suckers out, and if you don't, you know, you're going to pay the consequences." But th- now, unfortunately, with individuals like ISIL and and Syria and and you know soon um, Iran p- potentially having access to nuclear weapons, even smaller weapons that you can conceal you know or or shoe bombers all that stuff ready to go mm-hmm. i mean it, it's it's much more widespread than just khrushchev kennedy castro cuba that to me was scary and i lived through it and you know kennedy came on the tv and we thought oh boy you know we, it, it was uh, it, it's amazing go on you go on uh, youtube pick up the kennedy speech during the cuban missile crisis and it shows you what kind of a leader he was uh, he was intellectual. He was smart, and uh, you know he saved us. He saved us from annihilation because we could have blown the Russians up, and they could have blown us up 400 times, and mm-hmm. the rest of the world would just would have spun out of control. 
man, that's more serious than I think a lot of people realize. I, I you know, oftentimes when we have conversations about uh, Russia or what Putin's doing, people think it's so far away from reality or it's so far on the other side of the world that it doesn't really touch us. But the reality is this directly uh, touches us. This, this is a direct a- attempt to what I feel like uh, is to start a World War Three. it seems. But, you know, I guess that's to be uh, debated upon. I will say if uh, if there is another major war or something, any kind of conflict dealing with uh, the likes of uh, Russia or uh, 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 Iran or, or one of those uh, countries, I think there'll be a world war uh, in terms of allies helping allies and friends helping friends, uh, that being the North Korea and et cetera. So, you know, that's somebody who's been really quiet right now, and I'm just wondering what they have up their sleeve uh, next at all. Let me ask you, JC, uh, can we police the world? It seems like that's what we do now. It seems like that's our job. We don't trade as much as we once did. We definitely don't import as much as we once did. Uh, can we police the world enough to stay the number one world power? Well, we're the number one world power because our economy is powerful, because we have a lot of amazing military hardware, as you saw in the streets of Ferguson. Uh, but uh, that was kind of a bad joke. But the fact yeah. is, you know, we, we're the biggest contributor to NATO, okay? Uh, we have strong allies who are supportive. But, you know, we're the one who, who, who bore the burden. Uh, we are the one who bore the burden in, in the second uh, Iran, uh, this George W. Bush, when George W. Bush's dad, George H.W. Bush, went into Kuwait and pushed that through and, and pushed Saddam and his troops back into Baghdad, the Japanese paid for that war. I mean, we had other yeah. nations involved. The Saudi Air Force was involved in that war. You know, we yeah, had a real, a, a, a real coalition, as the quote goes, of the willing, a real coalition of the willing. Now, you know, who's stepping up? We were the first, pers- the first country to put, you know, more severe sta- sanctions on on uh, on Russia for for what he did for Putin and then you know the rest well you know no and then they started to come up you know Obama's between excuse the pun Iraq and a hard place what do you do he's got so much on his plate uh, that he needs to you know maybe he he needs to come back here which he is tonight in a couple of hours and we'll be at the briefing tomorrow I'll, I'll be there it's at uh, one o'clock and you can your folks can watch the White House live stream off off their website and watch the questions that are going to come up because there hasn't been a real briefing uh since uh since for a couple of weeks and uh it's president came back for a couple of days and he made a statement and then he made a few statements from massachusetts from the martha's vineyard and you know he's back in town you know he's he's, i guess he's played enough golf with alonzo you know uh so that's why I started laughing, man. I mean, you, listen, man, you, you know how I feel. But once you give the man the benefit of a doubt, he's on another vacation. But, you know, I guess they all have to do it. It's a tough job. Somebody's got to do it. But I swear it seems hey, like there's what? a lot of vacation. Hey, guess what? I'm not doing it. <laughs> I'm not doing it either, man. I'm not doing it I either. I got enough Jeez. going on, man. Anyway. I got yeah, I, that's I love talking it. to you. You I gotta, too, my brothers. I got to go because my wife's yelling at me, looking at me. Because I'm supposed to be cooking the steaks, and uh, I've got so much charcoal is now burned down. My wife's giving me the evil eye, so I better get up and put those steaks on. But I, I told her I have to be my, I have to be real 
with my friend, with my good friend. And you know, we met during the Obama cam- during the Obama campaign in in uh, in in Charleston, as you, as you say, as they say, Charleston, South Carolina. And we met down South in Charleston, Carolina. in South Carolina. Right and you and and a couple of your homies were with you, and we took some photos, and we had a great time. Yep. And uh, and it was great to to be with you. And the fact is that. Um, we know each other since the since the election in 2012, and and you continue to call me. I'll always do your show, and I respect what you do, and I I respect where you stand. I know you're a good dad, and you preach good principles, and uh, I my my love to your audience, and I uh, hope hope they uh, hope they appreciated uh, some of my heart heartfelt feelings because I really you know I really believe this stuff. I think they did, and I, I salute you, my friend. I, I appreciate it. And uh, look, we'll see each other real soon, man. I'll be up in the area. I'm trying to get to one of your lectures. I, I can't take vacation. The only way, only time I see you is when I vacay or when I'm on, you know, working, doing political work. You're on, I'm not you know doing what? that we right all, now. We, if we love what we do, we that is a vacation. You know, it's a vacation for our spirit. That's it. That's it. Give your wife my best, and uh, we'll speak again soon. I love you, man. Take care. All right, brother. I appreciate the love to you as well. That's my brother, JCBUA. Check him out on Twitter, at symbol JCBUA, big-time Hollywood reporter, White House correspondent, works for the HuffPost, also uh, works has his own blog. Make sure you guys check that out. Uh, Google him. If you can't find anything else, just Google the man, at symbol JCBUA, always doing a B.I.G., and we definitely appreciate him coming through the show. It's always beautiful to have a show where you can have a guest on, uh, who's from a totally different background. I always try to have various people on the show that uh, speak their mind. I mean, it's easy to get politicians and, and things of that nature on a show like this because, let's face it, a lot of politicians need the votes, okay? And this is a show where we have conservatives, of course, where we have Republicans, we have Democrats, independents. I mean, you name it, Tea Party, we, we have them all come to this show because collectively, I feel like a lot of people respect what I have to say and how I say it because I believe in three things, God, freedom, and liberty. And, and it is what it is. I don't care to infringe upon anyone's rights. I'm definitely a constitutionalist. But I believe there's a right and a wrong to all things. So sometimes, you know what, to my conservative friends, I know I get on your nerves because I'm always calling you out. To my Tea Party friends, I know I get on your nerves because I'm always calling you out. Democrats, Republicans, independents, I'm always calling you out because the truth of the matter is, no one's going to agree on everything, and sometimes right and wrong is plain and simple right in front of your face. But the difference is if you always try to hold alliance, allegiance excuse me, to your political ideology, you're never going to look at things on the surface and understand that they are just right and wrong. And that's a lot of what's happening today through all aspects and all walks of life, but definitely what's happening in Ferguson, Missouri. Uh, if you look at the fact if, – if you look at the what's on the table, okay – just a bare minimum, you know, clear cut, no politics, all politics aside. If you look at the surface of this thing, we have a 17, 18 year old young man, no matter how big or small this guy is, okay? And for what we understand, before all the facts came out, for what we understand, he was killed by a police officer, okay? Now, a lot of people would like to speculate, a lot of people did speculate, and they went all into what they thought had happened and what they believed had happened. But instead, you know, no one knew the facts and no one was talking about 
the fact that a young teenage boy is dead in the street at the hands of a police officer. Now, I'm not one to say that all police officers are evil. Matter of fact, let me give a B.I.G. shout out to all my police officers out there because I, I'm, I'm just not that guy. I don't believe all policemen are evil. I don't believe majority of police officers are evil. I think sometimes individuals can react and can be a little overzealous because of the things that they've been through and some of the challenges that they've been through in life and on their jobs. So, you know, if I was a policeman and I've had a few and, and I had a few scuffles with some people uh, who tried to jump me or who tried to rush me or who I thought was reaching, I'm probably going to be itchy at that trigger, too. Now, I'm not excusing this man because, frankly, I believe it is 100 percent wrong. I always think that professionals can act a little bit differently in their field compared to most individuals who don't work in that field. So, you know, I don't think it's fair for us to say if I was in that said situation, I would do this. You know, we're not professional officers. Those are professional policemen sworn in, trained, and, and, and they do their job uh, with the highest expertise, and, and they do their jobs well. Well, they're trained to think differently than we are. They're trained to react differently than we are. They're trained to understand that I can diffuse the situations with, with less lethal uh, uh, engagement as possible, you know, where, where most of us concealed to carry, you know, uh, uh, gun holders like myself, we would say, you know, I'm going to pull out my gun and I'm going to shoot anybody that's rushing me. You know, most police officers, I believe in my heart, would think that I'm going to try to grab my taser if they're not an immediate threat with a gun or something that can harm or kill me or, or an immediate danger to the surroundings and to the public dwelling. What we're seeing today is, I think, an overzealous, uh, overzealous activity, if you will. Uh, I think what we're seeing also is extreme cases of, of authority figures who believe that they control all. No matter what you say, no matter what your rights are, no matter what you're doing, if you don't respond to what they say, when they say it, and how they say it, you now have an issue. You now have a problem. And I think that's what we're dealing with nowadays. I, you know, I've seen times where uh, the situation is not even that serious, but sometimes police officers come on the scene and they make the situation more difficult than what it was when they arrived or when they were called. So, you know, all I can say to people out there as I close the show all I can say to you guys is, is, is be careful. Uh, if you're a parent and you haven't talked to uh, your children about this Ferguson, Missouri incident, uh, you're probably doing your children a disservice. You know, I, I think that you should take the time and explain to them what happened here, because I think there's a few lessons that could be taught. Uh, I think on one hand, the lesson could be taught to your children not to take things that don't belong to you. Uh, there's also a lesson that says, you know, who you are in public is what people see you as. You know, despite of how you want to act, despite of how free you are, you have an obligation to uh, 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 be presentable. You know, you have an obligation to act accordingly. You know, not be unruly, not not be loud, not be so crazy, rambunctious. You know, and 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 I'm all about freedom. I'm all about people doing the things that they want to do when they want to do it. But I'm also about civility. So I think there's a lesson that can be taught in that as well. But I think a more important lesson that could be taught to our children is, at any command that the police gives you, you need to respond to that the way that they ask you to respond. Okay. Uh, it's, it's one thing about being free It's another thing about knowing your rights But it's a whole different thing about putting your life in jeopardy For those things 
when you can live to see tomorrow and talk about what was right and what was wrong later. So if you haven't talked to your children about this Ferguson, Missouri incident or this Ferguson, Missouri tragedy, let's just call it what it is. Uh, I think there's opportunity and, 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 and room to share and, and have an open dialogue with your kids and or even, you know, even children in your neighborhood. Don't be impressionable. Don't uh, uh, don't talk about how you feel about the incident and. And and, 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 and and the things that you believe are right and you believe are wrong, just talk about the things that are on the surface. Like when the police give you a, res- uh, a command, you need to respond to that command accordingly. I mean, that's real simple. And I think we all can agree that that's a lesson that can be taught in this Ferguson, Missouri uh, tragedy that happened. Uh, shout out to everybody out there for listening to the show. Listen, man, sometimes it is what it is. So the technical difficulties, I appreciate you guys getting over there at the beginning of the show. Totally my fault, I find out. Uh, but, you know, thanks for rocking with the KRP Radio Show where we do it. B-I-G. Don't forget, communication is the key. You guys got to communicate from one person to the next in order to get your passion across, in order to get your conversation piece in and to talk about the things that matter. You must first say, Hello, how you doing? What's going on in your life? And then and only then will you understand that that man across the street that doesn't look like you, act like you, or worship like you, it's probably a lot like you. So God is love, love is God. Don't forget that. Never forget that. You are B.I.G. for listening to the KRP Radio Show. We control the language and the conversation. Only here. KRP Radio Show. Check us out on Twitter at symbol KRP Radio Show. Check me out at symbol NC Pudgy. We're doing it B.I.G., baby. I'll see you guys next week. One love.